It's May 11, 2023. Time for episode 221 of the Sports Breaking Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. The Thursday edition. Hope you guys are having a great hump day. Uh, Friday Eve, the week is almost done. Hope it hasn't been too stressful for a week for you. So let's get into kind of recap of some things. So, you know, I didn't record uh, early part of the week, which was always the intention. But, you know, uh, schedule's about to change again. But we'll uh, we'll make do and we'll uh, move on with uh, everything going on in the sports world. This past weekend, the Kentucky Derby, the 149th version of it, went off. Mage at 15 to 1 wins the Derby over two fills in the home stretch, ran a mile and a quarter in 201.57. So for Mage, Mage is the fourth winner of the Derby with only three previous starts. So we can look at three other horses. That would be Big Brown in 2008, Regret in 2015, and the last Triple Crown winner, Justify. Also, Mage is the second horse to win the Derby to have Venezuelan connections. So Cannonero 2, who won in 1971, is the last horse to have Venezuelan connections. And Cannonero 2 also won the Preakness. Hall of Fame uh, jockey Javier Castellano wins his first derby in 16 tries. So, I mean, you got to think about somebody with his credentials, his background, who's been in so many derbies to finally get that one off his back. I'm sure that was a, a big relief. So if you remember, I talked about Mage last show and I said Mage finished second to Forte in the Florida Derby. Forte was scratched the morning of the race. So that was the big that was the big news Saturday, about mid-morning on Saturday that uh, Forte had been scratched. So I believe they brought in uh, another horse to take May, uh, Forte's place, but nevertheless that was uh, Forte was the um, was the was the major uh, I'm sorry, the major was the favorite at the time. And so um, that kind of changed Everyone's betting and, and, and of course, um, changed the, the favorites. So, as we said, Mage won, two fills was second, and Angel of Empire was third. Um, and, and Forte was scratched due to a bruised foot. So, they showed some, some footage and talked to uh, Forte's trainer uh, during the pre race coverage on NBC. And, you know, he was very apologetic. I mean, he felt so bad for the horse. I mean, but you can see as the vet was examining. Forte's foot, uh, the horse was in a lot of pain. So I don't know Forte's status for uh, the Preakness, but we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of the Preakness, the 148 Preakness Stakes, the, the People's Party next Saturday in Baltimore. So Preakness Week is coming up and we'll get you all caught up on all the Preakness news, post positions and all that good stuff next week. Let's move over to NASCAR. Denny Hamlin wins the Advent Health 400 at Kansas Speedway. So this was a really good race towards the end. So roughly about 30 laps, Hamlin chased Kyle Larson. So Larson, I believe, started about middle of the pack, got up to the front. He ended up in a, a couple little uh, incidents where he was almost to the back of the pack. He managed to work his way back up to the front of the pack. He was leading for quite a bit towards the end. And on the final lap, Denny Hamlin, um, you know, they were going kind of, Bumper to bumper, he made a little bit of contact with Larson. Larson got a little bit loose, got to the wall, and Hamlin made a sprint towards the finish line to win the race. So Hamlin, Denny Hamlin, breaks a 33-race winless streak and wins a fourth record uh, race at Kansas. And for Joe Gibbs Racing, this is their 400th win. So as I mentioned, 
Hamlin first, Larson second, William Byron third, Bubba Wallace fourth, and Ross Chastain rounds out the top five. The Toyota. So Hamlin drives a Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. Bubba Wallace, um, he drives Toyota for 23-11. The Toyotas did really, really well in qualifying. And at one point in the race, you had Toyotas were at least in the top four uh, at one point in the race. And then throughout the uh, the time, it was Hamlin. It was uh, Tyler Reddick, who was also, I believe, 23-11, and as well as um, uh, Danny Hamlin were all in the top four, top five at any point during the race. So those Toyotas really typically, and I believe they typically do run fairly well at Kansas. So this was no exception as far as the qualifying and the racing. So Sunday, Sunday, the Goodyear 400 at Darlington Raceway, Darlington, known as the track that's too tough to tame, the Lady in Black. This is the most challenging track on the circuit, and this is due to the shape of the track. So the track is almost shaped like a kind of like an oblong egg, and the shape basically pushes the racing line. So the preferred line of racing for the drivers is dangerously close to the wall. So this, because it's the 75th anniversary of NASCAR, this is going to be the throwback colors race. Um, they're going to go 293 laps Sunday. The green flag drops 3, 3 p.m. on FS1 or sometime after 3 p.m. Of course, there's always the pre-race festivities. I believe usually pre-race is anywhere between 1.30 and 2 o'clock when they'll start. So we'll talk more about the Goodyear 400 at Darlington next week. The NBA, let's go through the playoffs um, East semifinals currently number three seeded Sixers lead the second seeded Celtics three games to two tonight game six 730 ESPN Philly then same channel 10 p.m. in Phoenix the number one uh, Denver Nuggets lead the fourth seeded Phoenix Suns three games to two their game six so that's so that last series I believe last show I mentioned I, I think I said something to the effect I think and this is what I'm trying to remember I think I kind of off the cuff said well not looking good for Phoenix, but maybe they got something in them, and they got something in them. So um, they're making this a series, so it's going to be interesting to see can the Suns kind of make, again, make something of this and really fight to try to pull this series out. Again, I feel like the Suns, they had a really good chance to kind of pull out a title a couple seasons ago. It just didn't go very well. Um, you know, they've definitely got the roster to do it, but again, you know, the Nuggets are playing really well. Nikola Jokic, and I know he got into some uh, some trouble, and I think a lot of folks felt he should have been, you know, as far as uh, some foul trouble or he had a flagrant or something, I forget. But I know a lot of folks uh, felt like he should have been suspended. He was not. So it's going to be interesting to see how this game six will go tonight. Last night, the Knicks over the Heat, 112-103. Miami leads three games to two. Jalen Brown drops 38 uh, for the Knicks, and Jimmy Butler had 19 for the Heat. Um, in this game, rebounding, the Knicks out-rebounded the Heat 50-34. to Miami had 30 fouls to New York's 19. So, again, some pieces that kind of... Uh, you know, influence the game in some respects. Warriors over the Lakers, 121-106. Lakers, three games to two advantage. Steph Curry goes for 23. LeBron James go for tw goes for 25. All five starters for Golden State were in double figures. So, you know, it's every man on deck to kind of get the, trying to will the Warriors into the Western Conference Finals. Over to the NHL, the number one, 
Carolina Hurricanes lead the number two New Jersey Devils three games to one in the East semifinals. Game five tonight, 7 p.m. in Raleigh on TNT. Then same channel, 9.30 in Dallas. Game five of the Western semifinals. The Kraken and the Stars are tied at two games apiece. Last night, Toronto takes down Florida 2-1, to one, so they stave off elimination. Goalkeeper Joseph Wall saved 24 of 25 saves. So Florida will try to clinch the series that they played last night. It was going to be Saturday or Sunday. Meanwhile, Edmonton over Las Vegas 4-1. to one. That series is tied to a piece. The Oilers had control of this game in the first period. They scored three goals in the first period. They scored one in the second. It was pretty much over by the third period where the Golden Knights get one to drop to fall to four to one. Let's go to men's college across the NCAA tournament starts for the men on Saturday. So we've got four, uh, four games. So quadruple header on Saturday and Sunday. Let's start uh, on noon ESPN on Saturday. Richmond visits Charlottesville to take on second seeded Virginia. Utah goes to Notre Dame, third seeded, 2.30 ESPN2. At 5 p.m., Yale visits number seven, Georgetown. And then the nightcap, Army goes to College Park to take on number four, Maryland. On Sunday, you get the same times, noon, 2.35 p.m. and 7.30. Bryant visits Baltimore to take on Johns Hopkins at noon. Michigan goes to Ithaca to take on number eight, Cornell at 2.30. Delaware goes to Durham to take on number one, Duke at 5. Princeton visits number five, Penn State at 7.30. And how about... Those Princeton Tigers. Princeton, they won the Ivy League title, and they had to. At that point, entering the Ivy League tournament, they essentially had to get above 500. They were below 500. Uh, they won a game. They were they won a couple games. They got to 500. They had to have a winning record to get into the NCAA tournament. They were able to do that and win the tournament, so that gave them an advantage. So you've got for the ACC, three teams are in the uh, tournament for the ACC. Three will represent the Ivy League and ten, uh, three will represent the Big Ten. So we'll recap college lacrosse on men's college lacrosse next week. But again, we've got uh, two, four, six, oh, eight times two is 16. 16 teams vying for a slot in the final four that will take place on Memorial Day weekend. The women's lacrosse tournament will start tomorrow. We'll give you a top four seeds. Number one seed is Northwestern, two seed Syracuse, three seed Boston College, and four seed UNC. So the top four seeds, three of them represent the Atlantic Coast Conference. One will represent the Big Ten. College basketball. So a few notes from college basketball. Number one, again, you know how your boy, your boy's luck runs. Anissa Morrow. So what did I say? I said she's going to LSU. And sure enough, after I stopped recording, maybe about a day or two later, Anissa Morrow commits to LSU. So listen to this. Here's the potential starting five for LSU. You're defending national champs. Anissa Morrow, Flaugie Johnson, Haley Van Lith, Kateri Poole, and Angel Reese. Holy crap. Now, does that sound like a super team? Now, again... We can have the conversation, is uh, are, is the transfer portal creating super teams? Is NIL free agency? I mean, that really is a whole show into itself, really. But when you think about the amount of talent that first Kim Mulkey is bringing in from a recruiting standpoint, then is able to garner the attention 
of transfers like Haley Van Lith. I mean, last season was Angel Reese. Now Haley Van Lith comes in. Then here comes Anissa Morrow. I mean, this is a team, again, right now, on paper, they are in most people, if not all people's way too early top 25. They're the top team in the nation. Now, you got to earn it. You can't just be number one on paper and think, okay, I'm number one on paper. We're going to win this national title just on the strength of that. Of course not. You got to go out and play basketball. So what has to happen? The chemistry has to be built. The team bonding has to be built. This is a this is a different team in a lot of respects, but I'm sure that they are of one mind when thinking about the end that they want to reach. That you know we know LSU's history that they've had a lot of Final Fours up until the season. Then they finally break through, get to the Final Four, win a national title. Now they want to do it again. So with this team, this is a team that is built for a repeat. Now, again, we all know it's tough to repeat, but to be continued, I'm interested to see what their summer workouts are going to look like. So right now, most schools are in uh, exam break or finishing up exam break. And excuse me, many of these uh, teams, both men's and women's side are going to begin there's some more workouts really soon. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing and hearing things. So I'll, I'll kind of keep my ear to the ground. And I'm very interested to see, you know, not just what this LSU team looks like, but, you know, a number of teams benefited from the transfer portal. I think only about, I want to say the number I saw is about five. There were about five teams nationally, like power five teams, something of that, something to that number that did not in any way benefit from the transfer portal. So, Again, you know, many teams lost players and may have gained one or two back. There are a lot of teams that broke even. Very few teams pushed out a lot of players and got more players back. But when you don't have any movement in the transfer portal, that's really tough. So then it kind of puts a coach back into that situation of, well, we build the roster the old-fashioned way. We've got players coming back. We've got players coming in. So now you've got that mix of veterans, you've got that mix of new new talent, and you just try to make it all work. So we'll see how it goes, but we'll be talking more college basketball a little bit as we move through the summer because, of course, you know college football has sort of died down for the most part. Not a whole lot going on from a new standpoint, but we'll keep our eye on those things. Um, Hunter Dickinson, we talked about him. Uh, going to Kansas. And I think there was an article, I think he talked on a podcast about, you know, NIL was one of the reasons that he, uh, you know, went to Kansas. There were the, obviously the opportunities for him to, um, you know, to, to make more from an NIL standpoint. Um, You know, of course, you know, there were the moments that he did a lot of crazy things that kind of made more so the Michigan fan base a little bit crazy. Um, I read a thing where I think and this is kind of I think this is poor timing. I'm hoping this was poor timing. But after the unfortunate incident at Michigan State with the shooting, you know, he came to a game wearing a ski mask and, you know, people got on him. He said, look, it wasn't about that. He said it was I just wanted to go in and steal a win. Uh, OK, it's the, and this. These are his words. So it's kind of like the joke is super lame. I get what he was trying to do. I just kind of feel like, eh, you know, the timing is. The timing was bad on that. But again, it lends to this idea of how much NIL is really driving a lot of decisions. He said, don't get me wrong. I love Michigan. He always will love Michigan. But he kind of looked at every school. He kind of said, well, you know, Kentucky would have been 
an okay choice. You know, he was very tempted to go back home and play for Maryland or Georgetown because, as we say, he's a DMV guy, DMV guy. But he looked and he said Villanova also was a excellent, was a good choice as well. But he thought about, you know, what Kansas has produced as far as professionals. He wants to play at the next level. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's had his, you know, and of course he's had his kind of his ups and downs with the Michigan fan base. I mean, they've kind of, you know, given him the business about his play. But, you know, Dickinson's a solid player. I think he uh, he brings a lot to the table. He can do a lot of things. I mean, obviously his size gives him the advantage, but he really... When he's focused and locked in, um, he's really, really a, a, a good player. Um, like I said, I think last show I talked about one of the things that he really needs to work on is just being a little bit more locked in defensively. But he has the physical attributes and the gifts to do that. So, again, it's just a matter of putting in the work. But right now, with him coming in with the players that they have returning and some potential additions that could still happen because I think the first transfer portal window just closed a few days ago. Right now, a lot of schools are in that, that we're not recruiting period right now. They're in the quiet period for recruiting. Once the transfer, the next portal window opens, once recruiting starts up again, it's going to be interesting to see does Kansas make any more moves because again, this team has the ability to become that much more dangerous right now they are going to be on the one line i don't think unless something crazy happens this is going to be a team that gets a one c without question and a team that i think a lot of people are going to be looking to to win a national title so i mean bill self he's won national titles i mean heck he won it the year before the the year before this one so again he's looking at a team that could uh do it one more time so we'll see how it all goes for Kansas. Bob Huggins, so the head coach at West Virginia. So uh, during a radio interview in Cincinnati, he used an anti-gay slur. And it's not like he said it once and caught himself. He did it twice. Um, and once he did it, and then you know, he caught flack and backlash from it, and he immediately apologized. He, you know, he was very contrite on social media. Um, this went to the AD and West Virginia, and West Virginia uh, uh, President Gordon G. This was a high-level decision, but what ended up happening was um, Huggins' salary was docked one million dollars, so he signed a new contract, an amended contract. So he now makes three million versus one million. He will also be suspended three games at the start of next season. Um, I think the $1 million docking of pay, I believe, is the largest docking of pay in college athletics that is known. I mean, I'm sure somebody might have accurate records on that. But to the knowledge of many, this is the largest docking of pay ever. And he has to undergo sensitivity training. The $1 million will go to um, university um, centers and efforts uh, for LGBTQ students and resources. So that's where that money will go. He'll meet with students who are LGBTQ. He'll go into talking with uh, mental health experts to kind of, you know, kind of understand, you know, the mental health aspect of living in not just West Virginia, but living in America, uh, being LGBTQ. Um, I think I read something where it said West Virginia has the largest 
population of, I believe, LGBTQ plus teens, if I recall correctly, was the was the um, excuse me, was the uh, thing I read. But nevertheless, uh, when I heard this, I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay. I don't think I'm surprised because I kind of feel like, you know, if he was going to say something crass, I kind of feel like he had it in him and probably has said crass things uh, in practice and whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I was definitely on the bandwagon. He was going to get axed and a lot of people kind of were like, no, he's not getting axed. And But to that end, West Virginia President Gordon G. basically said, in essence, that if this happens again, quote, immediate termination, close quote, will happen. So, you know, Huggins is a Hall of Famer. He's been around the block a few times. And, you know, he was, you know, as we said, very contrite. He's a West Virginia guy. He said, look, you know, didn't mean to ruffle feathers. You know, I know, you know, what I do represents not just basketball, but the university. I want to be a good steward of that because he, as we said, he is an alumnus. Um, but I don't know. To, to, if it slips out once, and then, of course, on the radio, I'm sure that was probably pushing it for radio because it seems like the words you can say on radio have gotten more and more edgy over the years, especially and also TV. To say it once, you kind of go, oh, boy, my bad. But he said it twice. And I guess you could probably say he was in the heat of the moment and the conversation continued and the interviewer was just kind of going with it. But, you know, you, I don't know. Suspended, I'm sus, you know, suspension, fine. You know, most people will say that's not enough. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Should he have been fired for it? Mm, uh, maybe not. I don't know. But hopefully he will watch it you know, next time because, you know, when you say things like that, depending on who's interviewing you, it sounds like whoever was interviewing was kind of like, oh, well, this is, the, this is where we're going. All right, we're going to go down that path and kept you know, asking questions and saying stuff. And he's going with it as opposed to, but whoa, 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 ew, you know, like, you know, maybe you just say, whoa, you know, OK, you know, let, let's take this conversation another direction. But but anyway, um, he has kind of gotten his first and last warning about that. And, you know, as we said, Huggins has been around the corner a few times. I'm sure he's um, got the message. At least we hope we hope he got the message and he's uh, going to be not in the news for what he says, but more so what happens for his Mountaineers team on the court. We end today's show with a rest in peace to Denny Crum, the former head coach at Louisville. He passed away on Tuesday at the age of 86. So this, I didn't know this. Uh, Coach Crum played for John Wooden at UCLA in the 1950s. Then after his playing days, he joined the coaching staff. And as an assistant coach, he was a part of three national titles. So on top of the two he won, he has three as an assistant. Louisville hired him in 1971, and he coached the program for 30 years, retiring in 2001. He earned the nickname Cool Hand Luke for his for his 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 just his calm demeanor. And he was he was very you know, calm demeanor, you know, and, you know, I remember his era, he's pretty, pretty sharp dresser as well, but but a heck of a coach. I think Coach Crum is extremely underrated. You have to kind of think about the coaches 
that were around when Danny Crumb was at you know taking Louisville to these heights. That you got to think about Dean Smith. You got to think about the beginning of the the Mike Shashevsky era. Um, uh, was it uh, my man? Uh, my gosh, Larry Brown and the like. So a lot of good coaches who were really doing some big things. And Crumb won two national championships. Went to the Final Four six times. In 30 years of coaching, he took Louisville to the NCAAs 23 times. So, I mean, that in and of itself is an amazing accomplishment. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. He finished his career 675 wins, 295 losses. He was the second fastest coach to win 500 games. And he was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 1994. But those two national titles, 1980 and 1986, the 86 team. I remember the 80 championship a little bit. The 86 team, that was a heck of a team. Purvis Ellison, Jeff Hall, Tony Kimbrough, Herbert Crook, Kenny Payne, who is the current head coach in Louisville, Billy Thompson, and Milt Wagner. Those were some guys. You'd want to talk about just an outstanding team. They went 32 and 7 that season. They went 10 and 2 in the Metro Conference. So, you know, I think when the Metro Conference, it was with Florida State, Louisville, I think Cincinnati, I want to say Virginia Tech was in there as well. But nevertheless, they beat Duke in the final, speaking of Coach K. And I mean, just again, I really feel like that Coach Crum, he got a lot of recognition for what he's done, but I just feel like as a great coach, I don't think he really got his just due. And I was very sad to hear that he had passed away, but uh, rest in peace to Coach Crum. Um, uh, condolences to his family and to the Louisville family. So with that, that's your quick <laughs> 20, 25 minutes of sports. So you know, guys, uh, we're, we're getting to that time of year where uh, once the NBA Finals you know, hit there, hit the end, you know, I'm going to take my my little break and then we're going to get right back into college football. But I appreciate the time you taking out the time to listen to the show. Thank you so much. Um, make sure that you continue to like, subscribe, give me a five star rating if you can. Email the show, the sh- emails in the show notes. Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Until I talk to you again, hopefully very, very soon, remember to continue to Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Uh, A little warm today. So remember, the weather's getting hot. Remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.